Hey everyone, David Nagel here. I'd like to welcome you to the Successful Mind Podcast. On today's show, I'm diving into my vast catalog of archived materials to share with you what I'm calling Lessons from the Vault. Periodically, I'm going to be sharing with you lessons from classes that I've taught in the past. Since most of these were done over the phone, you may notice a difference in audio quality. I'm hoping that doesn't diminish your listening experience because the content is something that I'm very proud of. All right, let's open the vault. Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Okay, here we go. The law of thinking. He says, to the average person, life is an enigma, a deep mystery, a complex, a complex and incomprehensible problem, or appears so, but is a very simple if one holds the key. Uh, mystery is only another name for ignorance. All things are mysteries when they're not understood, but when we understand life, it no longer appears to be mysterious. Man is a progressive being, a creature of constant growth, before whom, whom lies the imitable ocean of progress to be navigated and conquered only by development and culture of his inherent powers. The progress of the individual is largely determined by his ruling mental state. Because the mind is the basic factor in governing power of his entire life of man, Attention should be given to the predominant mental state, for it will regulate the action and the direction of all one's forces, faculties, and powers, the sum total of which will inevitably determine many particular experiences and your own personal fate. The ruling state of mind is made up of various mental attitudes, which the individual adopts towards things, events, and life in general. If his attitudes are broad in mind, optimistic in tone, and true in life, his predominant mental state will correspond and exhibit a highly constructive and progressive tendency. As almost all of the forces and the personality function through the conscious mind in one way or another, and as the daily mental and physical acts are largely controlled by the conscious mind, it is obvious that the leading mental state will determine the direction in which the powers of the individual are actually to proceed. In his ruling mental state, if, I'm sorry, if his ruling mental state is upward bound, that is aspiring, harmonious, and positive, all his forces will be directed into constructive channels. But if his state of mind is downward in tendency, that is discordant and negative, then almost all of his forces will be misdirected. It is evident, therefore, that all of the factors which regulate the life and the experience of human beings, none perhaps exercise a greater influence than the ruling state of mind. Mental attitudes are the result of ideas, and these have their origin in a point of view. Therefore, by seeking true and, and natural points of view, one may secure the best and most superior ideas. 
And these, in turn, will determine the predominating state of mind. So, <clears throat> so for instance, um, when, when the first time that I uh, started to apply this was when I changed my attitude when I was driving a forklift on a dock. And I went in one month from 20000 a year to 62000 a year, and all I did was change my attitude of mind. That's it. So that's how powerful this is. When I went from 50000 a year to 50000 a month, all I did was change my attitude of mind. I changed the way that I was thinking, and I put it in a more harmonious vibration with the law of thinking, so it allowed everything that I was desiring at the time to come into my life because the thing I was desiring was already there. I just didn't know it at the time. So I was an unconscious competent. Like I spoke of a few minutes ago, it appeared to be a mystery as to how this happened until I began to study and found out that it was no mystery. It's actually an exact science, and it's a practice. It's a habitual practice. It's a discipline for how we need to go through our life. He says, we are prone to believe more than what we see. The evidence of the senses are the only facts that some accept. But now we shall realize more and more that it is what we believe that determines what we see. Now think about that. What we believe determines what we see. Now, that is one of the most powerful things you'll ever hear. Why? Because there's so much damn potential in that statement. In other words, and that's one of the reasons why I had the, the term just believe trademark, um, because there is nothing else. And if you work on changing your belief system, you automatically, automatically change your environment, your circumstances, and your results. What people misunderstand is they think that belief is something that is just a mental faculty, that there's no application of it practically or in reality or in actual doing the work. That's not true. They go hand in hand. It is a mental faculty, but it's also an emotional one, and it is a behavioral one. A person does not believe something that they're not doing. That's why it's so powerful to say, hey, if you want to find out where you really are in life, all you have to do is look at your results. The results don't lie. They're telling you what the predominant thoughts are of your mind. They're telling you what your, your predominant emotional attitude uh, of life is. They're telling you what your behavioral patterns are just by looking at your results. If you look at your circumstances, if you look at the environment you create, that will give you a very clear picture of what you believe your self-worth is. So we have to really begin to seriously think here about the idea of what does it take to change my belief system. Well, the first thing is that our belief system is based upon the evaluation of something. It's based upon our evaluation of something. If we change the way we're evaluating something because we're holding the truth in front of us, damn it, we change our belief. 
And as we change our belief, we change the way that we're approaching what we're doing. So automatically we, we start to value the idea of a magnificent obsession. We fall in love with our desire. We're willing to do whatever it takes in order to get the results that we want in life. We have a joyful frame of mind. We're happy to get up in the morning and our viewpoint is more like this. I don't have to do this every day. I get to do this every day. That's how I feel every day when I wake up. It doesn't matter if I'm sick or if something went wrong in my life. When it comes to the work that I do, I am so grateful that I get to do this every single day. I never get tired of it. I get tired, but I never get tired of it. It is, it is a magnificent way to live when you're doing what you love to do. I get to work with the, the best people in the world. I have a phenomenal team I, who I, I love each and every one of them dearly, all for different reasons. They're all unique. They all have a, a different brilliance about them. But they're like family to me. I get to meet people out of my own creation. I can say to myself, hey, uh, here's a person that I admire, and I want to meet that person. The moment that I put that intention out there, the way to meet that person starts to show up. I said a little while back, I was talking with uh, uh, Steph Tuss and her husband, Brandon, and I'm a big admirer of um, uh, Shep Gordon, uh, who some of you may know, some of you may not. There's a fantastic book that was written um, about Shep called Supermensch, uh, which is Yiddish for, um, uh, I think it's friend or happy person or uh, real real giving individual. Uh, and a movie, Mike Myers made the movie Supermensch, and Anthony Bourdain wrote the book Supermensch, and they're, they're both about Shep Gordon. He's known as the nicest um, uh, manager in Hollywood, and he's managed everybody. And I said, um, I, wa- I, I want to meet this guy. And last week, uh, I met somebody that knows him, and we're going to get an introduction. But it's been like this for every every person I've ever wanted to meet. And there's all kinds of people, some people that you would know, big names, other people that you probably wouldn't know. Uh, but, but there's something about them that I want to learn from them or give to them or help them in some way, and I want to meet them. And when I put that out there, it happens because I know how to line up that attention with my thinking. Now, what else, am I, what else am I exhibiting here in this lesson to you? I believe that it's going to happen. And because I believe that it's going to happen, it does. I can always tell when I need to work on my belief system because it's not happening. In other words, the thing that I desire, whatever it might be, is not happening. And I'll sit back and I'll go, huh. That's interesting. Why is this not happening? Where is there doubt in my mind? Where is there a value conflict in my mind? And then once I get clear on that, which is easy to do once you stop judging it, by the way, 
Um, people are always looking for uh, the answers to something, but they, they judge their own belief system so much that they can't get clear on the answer. We have to stop judging. When we stop judging, the answer comes. Okay? All right. So, back to the book. He says, more defeats and failures are due to mental blindness than moral deviations. I have, I had a, a, a real cool awareness when I realized that if you take if you take people in the world who've done some of the the most horrific atrocities, a person like Hitler, for example, and you take other people in the world who have done magnificent things to advance the world, right? Whether you're talking somebody like Christ or Buddha or you're talking about somebody like a Steve Jobs or a Mother Teresa, um, what you're going to find is that all of those things, both good and bad, were created because the person who created them believed them. They believed it. That's, that's why I said at the beginning of the call, your greatest power is your ability to choose, because whatever it is that you choose is what you're going to create. The damnedest thing about this is that the universe does not judge as to whether it's good or bad. It doesn't say, oh, that's a bad thing. You can't have that or you can't do that. If you believe it with the same kind of belief as a person who has a good ethical heart believes, you'll create the evil just as well as you'll create the blessing. And that's what he's pointing out here. He said failures are due to mental blindness, not moral deviations. And yet a lot of our trouble come, comes from the idea that a lot of our desires are wrong. That falls under the, the top three are God, sex, and money. So if we have the belief that we come from a sadistic God, and that we're going to be punished for all of eternity because of this sadistic God, um, we're, we're going to have a difficult time working with the law because the law is uh, the modus operandi of God. If we have issues with our own sexual desire in life, um, what turns us on, what gets us off, that type of thing, because the people that raised us had issues with sex or teachers or nuns or priests or whoever the hell started interjecting their own sexual um, inadequacies on you. Not only is it going to mess with one of the greatest pleasures in life, your sex life, but it's going to pervert that creative energy, which is the sex energy is the creative energy in which you create anything in your life. Put the physical idea of sex aside for a moment and realize that everything that you create comes from that energy. But if you have a deviation around that energy, if you have a value conflict with it, 
then it's going to fuck it up. It's going to make it, it's going to make it a damn mess. And then the third one's money. There's, there's so many contradictions around money. It's absolutely crazy. And if we think it's at some level that money is wrong or immoral or unethical, then getting a lot of it is going to be a challenge. It's going to be a real challenge. He goes on to say, um, with man, if he lived according to the senses, the largest sense he possessed would be that of sight. Thus, our whole world would extend only as far as we could see. If we believed in the testimony of our eyes, we would accept many conditions that are not true. Because our eyes are, are really susceptible to illusions. But we have to remember something. We don't see with our eyes. We see through our eyes. We see with cells of recognition that are in our brain. So like when I do the triangle exercise, the reason that you can see the triangle is because you know you have an image of a triangle burned into the cells of your brain. All I have to do is suggest it, and you see it. Um, I'm trying to think of another example of this that would be good. Well, I guess one of the most obvious examples is that there's a lack, that we've been taught that generally there's a lack in life. Uh, If we come from that perspective, if that's a belief, then we see in our mind not abundance, but we see what's not there. That's what we're focused on. And then we make decisions from that place. When we say to ourselves, how much does that cost? I don't know if I can afford that. We're perceiving lack. When we think to ourselves, what if I get rejected? What if that person doesn't like me? What if they don't buy from me? We're perceiving lack. Anything that comes from fear, anything that takes away from the abundance, anything that, that um, creates fear or steals your happiness or creates doubt or worry, is due to a perception or a belief around lack. There's not enough. There's not enough. Another thing that's very interesting is that in this chapter, he says, our thoughts travel at the rate of 186,000 miles per second. Our thought travels 930,000 times faster than the sound of our voice. No other force or power in the universe yet known is as great or as quick. It is a proven fact, scientifically, that the mind is a battery of force and the greatest of any known element. It is an unlimited force. Your power to think is inexhaustible, yet there is not one in a thousand who may be fully aware of the possibility of his or her thought power. We are mere babes in handling it. And as we grow in understanding in the right use of thought, we will learn to banish our ills, uh, to establish good in every form that we may desire. It is our power to think that determines our state of living. 
As one is able to think, he generates a power that travels far and near. And this power sets up a radiation which becomes individual as he determines it. Our thoughts affect our welfare, and they often affect uh, others that we think of. The kind of thoughts that we register in our memories or habitually think attracts the same kind of conditions. If we take the thought of success and keep it in mind, the thought elements will be attracted, for like attracts like. We're mentally drawn to the universal thought currents of success, and these thought currents of success are existent all around us. We will physically contact minds who think along the same lines, and later such minds will be brought into our lives. Therefore, successful-minded people help success to come to them. That is how successful living is founded. Prosperity and poverty are not two things. They're merely two sides of one and the same thing. They're but one power, rightly or wrongly used. And we cannot think of plenty and then worry about the unfavorable conditions that may seem apparent because we're programmed with a lack mindset. That right there is a belief. Prosperity and poverty are not two things. They're merely two sides of one and the same thing. But the thing that I think that is so cool about that is that when we're experiencing poverty, we're on one side, we're on the opposite side of prosperity. It's not that the prosperity is not in our life. It's that we're focused on the wrong side of the law. And I say wrong, and it's actually, that's actually incorrect. It's not that it's wrong. There is no right or wrong. It's just a side that you don't want to experience. So we have to really think, how, do, how will your life change from today, moving forward, knowing that prosperity is in your life right now. All you have to do is to change your belief about what you're focusing on, and it will allow that door to swing wide and open and allow the prosperity to come in your life. And that's in every area of your life you'll be prosperous. Because you're changing the foundational belief that by the set of your own intention, keeps it far away, or at least perceived that it's kept far away. The mind force is creating continually like fertile soil. Nature does not differentiate between the seed of a weed and that of a flower. She produces and causes both seeds to grow. The same energy is used for both, and so it is with the mind. The mind creates either good or bad. Your ideas determine which are to be created. He says, because we know that if we do not clean out the weeds, they will grow stronger and tougher and tougher, and they will choke out the good crop. If some condition handicaps us, perhaps a weed that must be plucked out, it's important to know that the condition is the effect that we see. It is not the true cause that we see. 
dig down deep into the mental storehouse and find out what it is what is that cause. If we cannot discern it, there are others who can. Then weed the cause by replacing it with the right kind of thought. That is, if it's fear, replace it with courage. If it's a diseased thought, replace it with a healthy thought. If it's a limited thought, think thoughts of plenty. Force some issue whereby we alter or change the trend of the thought. Then as we replace the thoughts that are the weeds, they will die of their natural selves, for such weeds die from lack of cultivation. As long as we allow things to seem real to us, we're putting our energy into it. We're nurturing it. We're feeding it. We're keeping it alive. We're putting our faith into the thing, whether we like it or not, and it must naturally grow, for the law of growth is ever working to produce whatever it is that we plant. It will produce what we plant, but it can't choose what we plant. That is our gift. That is our power. Now, he brings a Christian quote into this that I'm going to teach you that I think is important. He says, man can impress his thought on the formless substance and cause the thing he thinks about to be created. Now, I'm going to share that with you one more time. Man can impress thought on the formless substance, which is spirit, and cause the thing he thinks about to be created. That is the intention, right? He said, Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all things will be added. Well, the kingdom of heaven is within. It's a state of mind. Therefore, heaven is an orderly, disciplined, constructive state of thinking. To gain all things, we must first gain a disciplined, orderly, constructive state of mind. Do you have a disciplined mind? Have you any dominating appetite? Are you emotional? Do you vent your feelings through impatience, temper, malice, hate, pride, envy, conceit, lies, dishonesty, and the like? Any of the negations as named, if controlling your thoughts, will delay good from coming to you. Anything in life that dominates us makes us a servant to its to its dictates. All of our weakness and of our lacks are due to some compelling influence that blinds us and keeps us from what we naturally would receive if we were free in mind to actually receive them. That is so powerful. That is so powerful. So, we attract only what we think or create. This is the law of thinking. To achieve success, we must think it, we must work it, we must become it. To advance, we must make some effort to rise. To obtain happiness, we must adapt our lives to the law of harmony and order. To rise above any limitation, we must organize our thinking along constructive lines. So clarity is very important here. That's why you need to take your intention, 
you need to write it down on a goal card where it says, I'm so happy and grateful now that, and you put the date that you want to achieve the goal by, and you write down in very clear terms what it is that you wish to manifest. You can do this in many different ways. Long-term, for a long-term goal or vision. Intermediate, for something intermediate. Short-term, for something that is short-term. And instantly, for something that you want to do right away, like tomorrow. And when you write it down, understand that writing sends a light message from your hand to your brain and back again. It causes thinking. You become connected to it when you write it. Don't type it. Write it. There's a creative energy in there. Put it on the paper. Then carry it with you and see yourself with it. Just relax and see yourself with it every day. Do this several times a day, morning, noon, and night. If you can fit a few more times in there, do it then. Because what you're doing is through the repetition, through the constant spaced repetition, you're reprogramming your mind with the thought that you desire to think to create the result that you desire to experience. And as you do that, it gets easier. And as you do it again, it gets easier. And as you experience the results that you want, you begin to change and solidify that belief even more. So you go from conscious intention of belief to the unconscious acceptance of that belief to the unconscious replication of that belief in your life. And once you do that, it's yours forever. As long as you keep practicing it, it'll stay, you know, at the, at the forefront of your creative energy and you'll, you'll keep creating it. No question about it. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.